Hello and welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. My mic needs adjusting. Well, I believe in you. I'm at an awkward angle. Also joining us, the man who is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. My mic is perfectly comfortable. The wisdom can't flow uphill, fellas. <laughs> it's a muddy water song. Join us all the way from Russia to see one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. It's so nice to have been given a mic in order to uh, let the wisdom flow. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with it, however it sits. Wow, wow, that's very Christian. Just wanted to out attitude Glenn right here. Sure, yeah. no, this is, nice. It, it is a competition. That's the main thing to remember, and that brings up a very important point. <laughs> ah. I have to declare a strategic emergency. What? Oh, what? wow. Here's the thing, folks. We've been listening for some 300 and something episodes. Uh, you may have picked up that we're we're not really down with the guilt here on the Say That Podcast. We're quite sure. against it. Not really our jam. We, we don't think that works. We'll talk about the guilt and the fear and the shame. And, uh, you know, this is really not the way we want to focus on the grace and the love and whatnot. But we've had some recent developments. Where we've heard about some situations where it worked. Or at least people thought it worked. Ah, okay. We've heard from uh, someone who went to their, their pastor and said, I felt like that sermon was really trying to put uh, guilt on us, and the pastor said, "Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, maybe that's good. That's when you think about that. So it worked for him because we also know we also looked up this church's budget, and they have uh, two million dollars cash on hand. Ah, they didn't spend anything; they just have it. Sure, right. And we have not two million dollars cash on hand. Right. On on just so a, what are we doing wrong? Yeah, we have closer to two dollars cash on hand. Yes, than we do two million. Right. So we figured maybe we can get in on that." That sweet, sweet action. And then we yeah, realize... We only have $2 in the kitty. Sure. That's absolutely. Right. And it's it's literally just $2 that's taped to a cat. Yes. So you, got, you have yeah. to catch the cat to get the $2. Exactly. And it uh, that cat doesn't like to be touched. So It's, like, it's like a money-saving yeah. measure. Yeah. Like, do you really need to spend this $2? Well, it's actually cool because it's combo money-saving and like physical fitness. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's right. hard to spend, but you also got to catch that cat. Yeah, it's like a gym membership. Basically. Exactly right. Exactly like, right. For, for free. Oh, yeah. You're putting, you're putting cash in your envelopes, put it in the drawer. You're real hardcore. <laughs> you can get on Cat Bank. Yeah. <laughs> And the other thing is, uh, we realized um, we we had inadvertently had some success, right, on the guilting people into change via this show. Glenn, would you like to share the story? Well, uh, a while back, we had a a staff person who had a shoe situation. Mm. Now, the, the shoe situation was uh, that he had shoes that were no longer serving the understood purpose of shoes. They they were no longer watertight. Uh, the the role of shoes really is to keep out the environment. That right. that is true. Once the environment has penetrated the interior of the shoe, <laughs> we have a full breakdown. The integrity of the whole has been compromised. There. That's it's like right. a house for your feet. It's like if you got yourself a submarine. Yes, and it fills with water. It's not really a submarine it's anymore. It's not a submarine anymore. It's just you know, uh, it's a shipwreck. Is yes. what you got here. Well, essentially, what we had is a staff person with two shipwrecks on each foot. <laughs> and in some staffs, what happens is people talk bad about you behind your back for like a year, but they do it like a prayer request kind of thing. Sure. Let's just pray for sister so-and-so and right. her issues with things. I don't know. It seems strange. Sort her attitude. kind of sounds like I'm 
telling a, a, a rumor and it kind of talking behind somebody's back, but I'm really just concerned. Mm. And then that breeds a resentment and negativity and infighting and, and then negative things come out of that. So to combat that uh, unholy and unchristian, unchristian kind of situation, what I did was to turn to this particular staff person and say, what on earth is happening with your shoes? Get new shoes. If this makes you feel bad, think about how much worse I feel having to look <laughs> at your shoes. And was this at the bridge while this person was trying to get a sermon ready? You know it was. That's correct. Okay. Priorities, timing, right. and whatnot. Yeah. So we had a listener who uh, had informed us that their significant other, they'd gotten them on the on the podcast, listening to the podcast, like a good super fan would. Right. And he said, the young man said, you know, I listened, started listening to Save That Podcast, and I, I noticed a lot of the things you say are like, I think you may have gotten them from the show. Right. And our friend said, oh, that's, that's true. I learned a lot, which was awesome for us to hear. And his example was, like, they said that thing about shoes, and you made me throw away that pair of shoes that you hated. Right. So this this gentleman, bless him, and he's doing his best. Right. Uh, apparently thought that what happened was Glenn just went on an anti-bad sho- shoe rant. Right. And his girlfriend thought, Glenn makes a good point. Yeah. 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 It's time yeah. to deal with the shoe like situation. He, he thought he was the shoe, intended <laughs> shoe victim. And here's what He got let, caught in the cross shoe fire. That's right. And let me, let me stipulate a couple of things on this. First of all, if you're dating somebody and they're not listening to this podcast, yeah. right. you know what? You, you drop that person like a hot rock. You follow what I'm saying? You drop them like a bad habit. That's right. You sink, you sink them like a two-inch putt. I mean, that's it. Okay. Hit the bricks. You know right. what I'm saying? Kick rocks, baby boy. Given the <laughs> relative lack of people dating, are we sure that's the advice we want to give? Probably not. But here's what I'm saying. <laughs> you have to have standards. That's the important Well, yeah, thing. absolutely. Now, here's the other thing. This dude thought maybe that it's me. Like, he felt bad. Like, maybe I have a horrible shoe situation. Sure. And people have been talking behind my back. And maybe there have been podcasts about how bad my shoes are. And that would lead to a lot of self, low self-esteem. Sure, yes. Okay. First of all, uh, you know, I've not, I've met the dude. Yeah. Fine dude. Yeah. Lovely person. Uh, I did not notice the footwear right. situation. And that's a good thing. Right. Sure, yeah, which, we, we know you'll comment on it if you Yeah, because that's the thing. One thing that podcast listeners don't know about Glenn, if you haven't hung out with him in person, is he always has the coolest shoes in the room. And if your shoes did suck and he thought that, he would most certainly tell you. That's right. I, I am actually wearing houndstooth spikeless golf shoes as we speak. <laughs> so I, I, I fit the stereotype. Here's what I'm saying is, you know, this dude put it on himself like maybe, you know, maybe I have bad shoes and no one wants to tell me. Right. Well, we would tell you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if it's an emergency. Apparently we can tell you without even meaning to, so much is the power of our griping. Right. The the you are not the intended victim of the situation. The intended victim was Peter Lawson. <laughs> I am naming him. I am shaming him. He, I am guilting he got him. New shoes. Not only did he get new shoes and wore them. Well, that's how you do it, and normally. F- and he faked <laughs> It'd be it. weird if he just bought them and carried them around while still wearing the old shoes. <laughs> I actually love I did it. the rage project of him buying them, showing them to Glenn, and then refusing to wear them <laughs> well, as a taunt. Well, this shows how little you two are paying attention. 
Because he's wearing the old shoes today really? at staff meeting. For real? Yes. Wow. I'm pretty sure. Well, it's not raining today. I'm pretty sure he wore them. Maybe I'm Oh, wrong. now now the doubt creeps in. <laughs> I think he was wearing them. <laughs> I got I'm all worked up. Yeah, well, I, I, yes. he, he can't just shut it Forget down. Forget it, he's rolling. You, yeah, yeah. When I when you get on a roll, you know, the, the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor, sure. but still, you know. Well, but th- this all brings us to uh, I think a useful exercise. <laughs> yeah. Which is what are some things we can accuse, make a general accusation of that people right. might be able to use against their friends, family, significant others, fellow church members? Because mm. clearly right. But and you're talking about using guilt. General guilt we want to put out into the world. Well, certainly the sharing of awful, awful memes on Facebook. Okay. Right? <laughs> the uh the political memes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the really super weird out there health related memes. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but principally though, let's just focus on the conservative memes. Like the really bad yeah. clip art kind of things with Jesus y <laughs> messages on them. Yeah, that's I think, right. I feel like Glenn is more uh more offended by the uh the bad graphic design than the content right. at this point. Definitely oh, he's offended by all of it. Yeah. Definitely. You know, just it's it's a it's a like a a a nineties clip art graphic of a bunny. Yeah. And it's like have a bunny for a old day or yeah. something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Get and, that. Yeah. And everybody knows it's, certain people know this about me, but uh we're done with papyrus, y'all. That's that's over now. Okay. We gotta move on to some to some more Lee contemporary has a font fonts. vendetta. Oh, papyrus font. Yeah. Yeah, not not actual paper. He's that's cool over that. now. Right, right. If you want to have a scroll, he's down with that. Papyrus font looks very, uh, you know, uh, uh, biblical and and uh, Egyptianal. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super cool in the mid '90s, right? But you're 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 done with it. We're done with that now. The ubiquity of the papyrus font that's an, that should be over. Okay. Somebody who listens to this is about to hit print. On their please use other church door sign, yes. and papyrus, <laughs> and they're sheepishly highlighting it all. You know, if you're using Just go that, with a nice courier. If you're using that papyrus font, everybody's talking bad about you behind your back, and it's time for you to know. Big it. time. Yeah, That's Lee right. might be mocking you in his Instagram story. That's right. We don't it's know. Quite possible. Well, and and uh, th- this is a uh, this is the other one. Weddings. Okay. <laughs> okay. Would you care to elaborate? Weddings. Okay. First of all, nobody wants to know. Nobody wants to know. Like this it, is a a kindly and uh, periodic reminder for the listener that when Glenn says everyone, he means him. That's right. It is. <laughs> the, here's what I think it should be. You get like a a, a checklist. Okay. When you're getting married. You can mention a dress mm. related. Yeah, you have a dress related social media thing, and then you check it off the list. Okay, and then we're done with dress related. You, you can never I mean? mention it again. You never mention it again. You, you get gotta, an allowance. Yeah, you, yeah, that's right. You save it for like yeah. when it's really something to say, which is fine, and then you check it off. Yes. If there's other developments, well, you know, you you had your, you know, we've had enough already. Sure. Because no one wants to hear two things about a dress because that's uh we didn't want to hear one, but we're giving you that because we like you. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? So you the same thing, cake, 
we we went and shopped for a cake today. Check. Yes. Cake. Yes. You know, that's it. Later, there's a cake development. Well, I'm sorry. Your allotted cake tweets that's have right. been exceeded. It's, it's a, you know what I mean? You're over yes. the quota. I like, like when you shine up for the Twitter, yes. then they, they, you know, you have to click on it. Cake. Yes. It's one of the boxes. Yes. It says cake, and you write your, your one box. cake comment. One cake comment. One. 140 characters of cake. Yes. Boom. Done. And then you move on. You never mention cake again. That's right. Sure. I think this is all very good. I don't think it's going to be popular, but I think it's very good. Yeah. Um, here, here's one that won't be popular as either with our or with our church friends. Um, I'm I'm going to have to declare that words have meanings. Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on one very overused word anyway, and it relates to cake. Oddly okay. enough, here's the thing: everything can't be sweet. Ah. Because <laughs> that's the answer. Here, here's what sweet means. Sometimes you say. But how's that talk to that person? And sweet means we had a very open heart to heart, and it was very emotional. And I don't want to get into the details, but it was it was real sweet. That's right. that's fine. That's a thing. Right. That means something. Here's the thing: if you're a Christian, you say, "Well, how was service? How was service morning? Real sweet time." Okay, I can I can see what that means. Right. How how was the budget meeting? Real sweet budget meeting. Well, that's uh, that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> how was the now? If they were serving like cake with Donuts. extra icing, totally yes. at that's, the meeting. That's what's up. It's really the cake that was sweet, yeah, not meaning, the meaning, but we, still. We may have a workaround if we printed the budget onto a sheet cake, oh. yeah. reviewed the budget, and wow, then dude. devoured it. That's, yeah. that's a sweet budget you, meeting, yes. I yes. can never go to a different kind of budget meeting now that I've heard Jed say those words out <laughs> right? of his face. Absolutely yes, right. yes. So if it's like a TED Talk on cake. Yes, that's a sweet word. Where sweet the word. cake is served in the TED Talk, yes, that's a right. sweet word. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, and that brings us to the sweetest words of all: emergency off. Oh, wow! Oh, wow. wow, that's a that's a segue. Right I think there. we did a lot of good there, not for anyone else, but but for us. It. I think yeah, we've we... learned that guilt can do a lot of good. <laughs> Celebration! I'm going to share a bunch of really creepy, antagonistic political memes on my Facebook account. <laughs> Here's well-known stock photos from 40 years ago. I'm going to claim they're about something that's going on right now that's made up. <laughs> I just realized how many people are going to listen to this and like send me that on Twitter and just. Ugly gifs of ugly yeah. Christian thing. That's right. Yeah, that's that's definitely the next week of your life, and enjoy it. Here's something that is fits the actual definition of the word sweet. Mm. That's our deacons program. Ooh, they do great work. They get people literally get people food. Nice. Some of which I'm go. sure is Sweden. Yes. Definitely. We live in America. There's high fructose corn syrup in all of it, almost certainly. <laughs> but they did that. They have housing. They have twelve uh, step meetings. Get people to church. All sorts of great stuff. Why do I mention our Deacons program? I mention that because it is entirely funded and always has been for the five years of its existence by our Bridgebox donors. Ooh. Yes. 100%. That's you people. They're the sweetest of all. We don't have anything to do with it. If anything, I'm actively hindering the process. (laughs) If anything, I spend most of our service trying to distract the Deacons. I'm standing in the way right now. (laughs) I'm literally standing between you and this person you're trying to help. It's It's not a metaphor. Again, I'm literally in the way. I have to apologize, but they're there to do that work because folks give $8 a month donations, missionosa.com slash bridgebox. Head over there to check it out. Get sermons, songs, all sorts of good stuff for your walk. We're still in the month of April. We spent this whole month talking about a ministry principle we call earning the right to be heard, answering the question, how do I get people to take my advice? So lots of good stuff on that, missionosa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to our first question here. If you all the way to the end, I'll use some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in. 
So our Tumblr inbox and it says, if I'm being honest, sometimes I doubt the fact that God hears prayers. I wonder if he hears me. I know it's stupid and surely it hurts his heart. On the other hand, I can see a lack of prayer. The I'm sorry, I can see the effect that lack of prayer has on my spiritual life. And Lee, why don't you kick us off here? Uh, first of all, I, I want to say I love questions like this. And I think of all the podcasts that exist in the world, I think we do have the coolest listeners ever because we have folks that would write in a question like this. Yep. And, yep. and we love the honesty of this question. And this is the kind of this is the kind of honesty that that Christian conversations and Christian communities need to have. It's the kind of thing everyone is thinking, and not everybody feels uh, that they are allowed to say out loud in in church stuff. So let's get all of that out of the way by saying, you are awesome for saying this question, for sending this in, and uh, setting up a situation where we're talking about things that literally everyone has thought. There is no one alive, no matter where they are in their Christian walk, or no matter what they've said their Christian walk is like, there's no one alive who hasn't thought these words that you wrote in. So if there was any point in this process where you felt like, I probably shouldn't send this because I'm probably a freak and I'm probably a bad Christian for saying it, we want to we wanna strike all that out right now and say, you're awesome for writing this in. We're super thankful for that. Um, and, and by the way, your question makes sense because there's a lot of things you pray for that don't happen. Um, there's a lot of things that we pray for that apparently God is saying no to. So it makes perfect sense that an honest person would say, um, sometimes it feels like prayer doesn't work. And, and so let's start there by saying that. I would say the, the part of your question that gives me pause is the part where you say, I'm sure that by me saying this, I'm hurting God's feelings in some way. Like if, if I'm having doubts about God and his in his listening to prayers and stuff like that, I'm hurting God's feelings. And what I would say to you is, let's let's not worry about um, hurting God's feelings for a second. Let's talk about your feelings. Um, let's talk about the way that you feel in the middle of your difficult life when you have something going on and you need some help in it. Um, now, do you feel free to unload both barrels on God at the same time? by pulling all of the triggers that you have. I mean, do you do you feel free to say to God, I don't like the way you're doing your job. Do it differently, please, now and thank you. Um, do you feel like you have the right to have that kind of a conversation with God? Here's what we want to say to you. Um, we want you to know that that's the exact relationship that God wants to have with you. And if you've been in a church situation where anyone has made you feel that that would be unallowed, or that would be out of bounds, or that God doesn't want to hear that kind of honesty or that kind of raw um, response to him, you need to know that that is not what we're talking about here. We are not talking about that kind of Christianity. What we want to talk about is not God's hurt feelings, but your hurt feelings. You've got hurt feelings because you've yeah. got stuff you're going through that, that, that you have no answer on, and that you have, you have problems that you don't know how to solve. And you have issues that you don't know how to face. And by the way, every single voice that you will hear on this show today has been in that exact same place. We know exactly what it feels like to sit where you're sitting. Here's the really, really cool thing that you need to know about prayer right now. Um, this idea of hurting God's feelings by saying to him, I don't think this works all the time because I ask you for stuff and it doesn't happen. And I'm upset because I want some different things that are in my life currently. Um, you need to know that Jesus absolutely greenlights that kind of conversation. He wants that. 
he encourages that. There's a place in Luke chapter 18 where it says that he was, he was teaching his disciples about prayer, and he was teaching them about the principle of always praying and never giving up. And he told a story about a woman who goes to a judge because she wasn't getting justice. And she just hammers this judge over and over and over and over again. And finally, he says, enough, I'm going to give you what you want. Not because I care about your case, but because you're wearing me out. And literally, the, the, in, the, in the Greek language that, it, that this was written in, what Jesus said that this woman had done was he had given the judge a, she had given the judge a black eye. That's what the judge said. He said, this woman has given me a black eye. She's punching me in the face until I have a shiner. And, and Jesus said, that's the way I want you to pray. With that kind of raw honesty, that kind of, if you will, that kind of... Uh, emotion and aggression, you're allowed to come into Jesus's face and say whatever you need to say. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, he's a big boy and he can handle it. Two, he already knows every single thing that's in your heart right now. You're not going to surprise him or disappoint him with anything that you might say or anything that you might feel or anything that occurs to you. And the other thing is that when Jesus met with people in need, what he said to them was, what do you want me to do for you? That's an awesome thing to know, that Jesus greenlights this kind of a thing. He wants to know how you're feeling. He doesn't want you to worry about hurting his feelings. He wants to know what hurts your feelings. If he was in your face right now, the question that he would have for you is, what do you want me to do for you? So I think the place that we need to start is looking at this thing about, um, honestly looking at the fact that we've all felt this way, and it's good that you're voicing it, and two, that we don't need to worry about, about how God's feelings are. Jesus makes it perfectly clear. He's okay with this raw, double-barrel, everything you've got on this. He wants to know what he can do for you. It's a really, really fantastic place to start this out. And Glenn, love you pick us up there. I think there, there's a way that our, our friend Earth Question is phrasing it, which is a phrasing we, we hear a lot around this particular topic. It's not, I'm not sure they're saying exactly what they mean here. And that's right. the question, does God hear prayers? I wonder if where we're not having some doubts is on the answer side. Right. Because if he right. exists, he hears them. Right. If you're going with omnipotence, he, he hears them. That's right. We're catching up on the, uh, the does he answer him? And I wonder if the reason people stay away from that is, in some ways, that's a much scarier question. Right. Because does God hear prayers like, maybe, there was, maybe if I, you know, fiddle with the antenna, the reception will pick up. Right. Does God answer, and what are those answers about, gets to yeah. some more fundamental questions, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, you know... Does does maybe he hears them, but does he care about what he's hearing? Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things, yeah, uh, yeah. What is what is the nature of his response and his reaction and 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 all of that? And I think and and we can we can come up with a theologically correct answer to that. We can get into the Bible. We can we can pull out a a wealth of stuff that gives us. A, a clear indication of what God's character is and what he thinks and how he feels. And Lee's doing a great job of talking about how God wants that honesty, that he can handle that honesty, that he already knows that stuff anyway, that uh, he loves us anyway. Um, but what I'm seeing here is we're, we have a psychological problem. It's a low self-esteem, negative uh, you know, self-image, uh, maybe some of that guilt that we were joking about and mocking earlier in the, in the emergency segment. And you've you so there's a there's a bad psychology, but when I'm doing this, I'm adjusting my theology to fit that. 
And you can see how that just would make sense in someone's mind. You know, it, if you hate yourself, you just can't picture that a, a, a maker of the universe who is perfect and holy and can see everything is wrong with you. It's hard to imagine that person would love you in a way that you couldn't possibly mm-hmm. love yourself. It just, yeah. it, 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 it seems sort of oddly illogical in that sense. So you adjust your theology to fit that. It's not written anywhere in the Bible. It's not being preached anywhere. It's I'm making up a new theology that now fits my emotional state here. Right. Well, we we can see. I can attack that theologically, which I'm not. I mean, that because that would just be rude and mean, and also kind of beside the point. Uh, what I'm suggesting is that uh, we sort of leave the theology where it's at in in a in a hopefully a healthy place. I know what the Bible says. I'm not sure I believe it. It's fine. In other words, that's fine. But then to look at that um, insecurity, that that negative self image that you have, and deal with the psychological element of that in order to embrace the theological truth. And I think that's that's where you get set free is when you can embrace it. Uh, so you have this block and this hindrance that needs to be addressed. You know, what, what is it about you that God wouldn't want to listen to what you have to say and so forth? Because I think part of what we do, all of us do, and I'm with Lee, I love this question. I love you for asking it. I think it's, it's, it's rocking. And I wish yeah. more people uh, ask these kinds of questions out loud. Uh, and 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 it's a great question. Okay, this is this is the essential stuff. Uh, but I would say that part of what we do, all of us do this, all of us do this, is that we have a a, a negative thing that we believe about ourselves, and then we protect that within our even within our Christianity, because if, if I if I believe that God loves me one hundred percent. Then of course he'd want to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So I mm-hmm. make it to be where God loves me, but He's angry at me. He's not crazy about you. He really he wants me to do a little better. Yeah, that's you know he's kind of disapproving, and that's nowhere in the Bible. But that's what I you know. But what I'm doing there is I'm creating a space where that insecurity isn't being attacked by love and grace and mercy. And, and God's patience and, and that theological truth. So I'm giving myself sort of excuses. We see this all the time where we're kind of uh, uh, shaping that perception of the world in such a way that it, it, it protects and enables that negative self-stuff to keep going. Yeah. And that's the part that I w- want to challenge you to look at is... If it's true, it doesn't need to be protected. You don't have to shelter your insecurities from the truth. Let the truth come forth. Ask yourself, what does God really think of you? What do the people around you really think of you? Why wouldn't God want to hear your prayers? Uh, really investigate the the psychology of that, the, the, the self-image that you have of that, and the, let the theology come on the other end of that. That's a really, really important step and a great point. And Jed, what what would some good first steps be on pushing towards kind of a, a healthier mindset on this? Clearly, uh, this person wrote in because they realized this isn't working, right? But uh, what are some? As to, to Glenn's point, we need to we need to maybe get in motion before the the emotion, and therefore the theology is going to catch up with that. So, how do we start doing that? That's a great question. Well, in the spirit of kind of having some left and right limits, it's worth noting that whenever we talk about God answering prayers, and does God answer prayers, and how does that work, that 
we can be dealing with everything from, you know, the very mundane, I prayed for the Astros to win and they didn't, and I'm disappointed, right. uh, to uh, things... Pretty rare uh, disappointment this season. That's right. Uh, that's, that's right. Go back a ways. Yeah. Um, two things that are um, so painful, it's hard to put them into words. You right. know, my mom right. was in a car accident and I prayed for her to live and she didn't. Right. right. So right. what does that mean? Yeah. And I don't have any idea. Right. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I... I don't get invited to those meetings. I, right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But what I can tell you is I can tell you what's been true in my own life and in my own walk with the Lord. Because um, I came up uh, super religious, and uh, I prayed because I had to, and then I went through years where I didn't pray at all because I was fed up and I hated it. Um, and I had to reach a point where I built an entirely new kind of prayer life that that suited me and God in our unique relationship. So I can tell you a little bit about what worked for us. The first thing that I would offer to you is I think God intends prayer to be a two-way conversation. And I think it's very tough when um, it's only one way. To be clear, one-way prayer is better than zero-way prayer. Mm -hmm. A one-way prayer where you just go and you tell God the deal, that's awesome. And that is infinitely better than not praying at all. But I think to really get into a lot of what you're describing in your question, I think we need to move into two-way prayer. I believe to the core of my soul that God wants to talk back to you. Yeah. I also believe that learning to discern his voice is a skill and it takes time. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the witness of scripture is that God speaks to us in at least three ways, through his word, the written word of the Bible, through wise counsel of fellow Christians, and through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in prayer. Uh, and I've certainly experienced all three of those in my own life. And again, it takes time and it takes experience to um, grow in your ability to listen. I mean, if you think about it, if you were learning French for the first time, uh, you could have people talking French around you all day, every day. It would take you time to figure out what was being said. That's right. So this, this all kind of tracks. But I want to encourage you, and I think we all do, to begin looking at how do we listen. Um, again, talking at all is better than not talking. Right. Um, but... Getting to a place where we can begin to listen is really, really good. And as we go there, here's two starting points. The one, and it's been mentioned, but it's worth mentioning again, which is, I mean, you need to tell God about your doubts. Um, yeah. We, we really can't have much of a relationship if I've got a ton of doubts and I just won't tell you that I have them. I mean, that that's going to create some real problems. As Lee rightly says, he's a big dude. He can handle it. As Glenn would point out, he already knows you have those doubts. Right, so, right. you know, if he was going to squash you for having them, he already would have. That's right. Um, he knows where to find you. He knows where you are. <laughs> um, but the third is to move forward, we have to say these doubts out loud. We, we have to actually verbalize them. Part of the reason that we have to do that leads to the second thing I would suggest. And this is a question for you to ponder. And that is, are you open to being wrong about your point of view? Right. Doubts aren't really a problem unless we're certain that we're right. Yeah. If we're certain that we're right, it, it can cause some real problems. But most people, I very rarely meet people who are certain they're right about their doubts. Yeah. Very rarely. If you're open to being wrong about your point of view, then there's no limits to where this conversation can go. And here's what I find 99 times out of 100 when I take my doubts to the Lord, my concerns to the Lord, my frustrations to the Lord is... There's a lot that I'm right about, yeah. But there are a few details that I'm not looking at, yeah, yeah, yeah. that really change the picture, yeah. Right? So I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm mad at Ed. Uh, Ed's the worst, and and I go to the Lord and I say, I, "How can you ask me to be patient with Ed? I mean, look at him. 
Just look at it. Look at his shoes. Look at his, look shoes. At his shoes, oh Lord. <laughs> For crying out I thank loud. you, Lord, that I thank you, Lord, that my shoes are not like Ed's shoes. <laughs> exactly right. Ed knows what he did. Well, in that moment, what if I've learned to listen a bit to the Lord, what I what I might feel the, the Holy Spirit drawing to my attention is Ed can be a bit of a handful. Right. And there's reasons to be frustrated at Ed. Is there a chance I'm angry about a lot of other things, and Ed's just the thing I'm putting them on? Right, right, right. Now, all of a sudden, if I can, if I'm open to hearing the Holy Spirit guide me that, and I'm open to the idea that I could be wrong, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh yeah, Ed does annoy me, but yeah. I'm not that angry. I'm super angry, but I can't possibly be that angry just about Ed. Right. What am I really angry about here? Yeah. Now we have a breakthrough. Yeah, there's a lot of times where the Lord would say. I agree with your premise, but I disagree with your conclusion, because as you're pointing out, there's a bit of a, uh, you know, there's more to it. You know, there's, yeah. there's more facts that need to, to be looked at here, not less. That's exactly right. One more quick thing that relates to this exact thing, because, again, we, we suspect that a lot of your questions about, I'm asking God to do something and he's not doing it. God, in my experience, his response is very rarely no end of discussion. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. rarely. Yeah, yeah. I think the Lord, if the Lord, if you have something that you're going to the Lord and you're asking him to do, and, and the answer appears to be no, I think the Lord would love to have a broader discussion with you yeah. um, about why that might be and for how long that might be and to what extent that might be. Mm-hmm. But again, we have to break out of a mindset of either God's for it or he's again it. Few things are that simple. Um, right. we, we have to be prepared to be wrong in the way that we're looking at things. Let a new thought come in. God wants to give you new thoughts. Right. That's kind of the definition of wisdom is new thoughts that are from his head and not from yours. Right, right. Um, but that comes back to learning to listen, which you can do. It takes time, but you can do, and we believe in you. We've got your back. Don't give up. The, the devil's greatest hope for you is that you would decide that God just doesn't care about you and doesn't want That's anything right. to do with you. Yeah. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The Lord's heart is towards you. He loves you. He wants that relationship with you. So let's take the one next step. It's a really great point. I think one of the main things that may hold people back on that journey that uh, Jed spoke to your reverence in there is the idea that um, listening to the Lord, hearing from the Lord is a is something that happens when you reach a certain level of holiness. It's not just God is kind of speaking to everyone all the time, always. It is a skill and a learned behavior to be able to pick up on that, to to hear that. That is really an under something I never really hear church folk talk about when they talk about prayer, but it's important. And as Jed is pointing out on it, um, if you're doing zero now, which no one's really doing zero, you're listening to the Lord more than you think you are. Yeah. But um, if, if you're functioning to do zero now, anywhere is up. Yep. Yeah. So the, the I think some of the holdup is well, I don't want to like get all up in this and be bad at it. The good news is you're already bad at it. Yeah. You Hooray! can literally only get better. <laughs> That's right. With practice, and the rewards are definitely there. So here we go on that. And feel always, always feel free to write in, follow up. We've done previous shows on listening to the Lord. If you go say that dot podbean.com, you can find. Some of those. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in to our email address. It says, I recently lost my job. My people keep saying things will be okay. Things will work out. There's something so much better for you out there, and this will lead to something great. My question to you guys is, is that true? You walk along people in your ministry all the time that need encouragement, but do you always see that injustice leads to something better? Is that even biblical, or are people just wanting me to not give up hope? And if so, is there a better way to do that without lying to me about what is ahead of me because they don't know, or do they? 
And it's it's a fine question. There's a, a number of things going on here, Glenn. I can, I can tell us all that we've been in, in touch with this person. And between in the week and a half between uh, sending this email and us getting to the recording, uh, they already have a new job. Aha. So that part's taken care of. I I think it's altogether possible things will get better. <laughs> That's very good. We can, we can cut out the part where I tell them that, and Glenn will just seem prophetic. That's right. But I, I love to say, so for us, let's focus on this idea of the, that communal aspect of it. Of it. Yeah. We're saying things get better. We tell ourselves that. Yeah. To what extent do we believe that about right. ourselves? Did you say the last question? To what yeah. extent is that a kind thing to say to someone? Is yeah. there a way to deliver that? Because this person gives us a, a kind of thing of, are they just trying to be nice or is that true? I think the answer is probably both, but we need right. to deal with some proportions on that. That's right. That's a great way to put it because... Uh, they're they are straight up making it up. They don't have any idea if things are getting better or not. <laughs> they're saying that because that's the thing you say. That's right. Not to dis- discredit yeah. that because yeah. you know. No, no. You, not I'm, everybody knows how to deal with that stuff. But right. that, that's, the, that's the knee jerk yeah. reaction. You yeah. know how you can tell. Oh. This is the voice they use. Oh no, no, it'd be great. It'd be, it'd be fine. <laughs> when people use that voice, they're lying. Yeah, that's right. I mean, carbon if, voice is always a lie. I mean, if they if they talk to someone who is going to offer you a job later in the day, then that's one thing. Otherwise, they're making it up. They don't know. Um, but that does not mean that it isn't true either. As you're pointing out, that there's there's sort of a mix happening there. Here's the thing. Um, Everything in your life, as you follow God, will get better. By God's definition of better. Ah. And man, is his definition different than mine and yours, too? Uh, It's way different. So let me give you an example. Uh, Because here's what we're, when we're talking about, you, you mentioned hope. Okay, here's what hope is. Hope is when God says this is the way it's going to be, and you live in that, that's hope, okay? If God isn't saying that's how it's going to be to you, to or it could be a friend that the Lord's just reached out to that friend and has, has given that friend a word that, you know, tells so-and-so, I, I'm going to, you know, don't worry about job stuff. Whatever. Or as we talk, as Jez mentioned on the last question, that could be something in Scripture. It's, yeah. You know, Romans 8, 28 yeah. says all things work together. That's right. For, again, very subjective word, the good. <laughs> That's <laughs> in know. there. That'll happen in some way. It's good by his definition of good. and it's, It'll happen quickly by his definition of quickly, <laughs> which is, you know, not mine or yours. But uh, here's the thing is um, we, we, we have hope based on his promises. And now there, everything else is this is me wishing. That's mm-hmm. a different uh, concept here. Uh, w- wishes are based on things that I believe God will do that he never said he would do. That doesn't sound like a particularly uh, godly or holy thing because it's not. But let's say, let me give you an example from my own life. Um, early in my career, I was broke. I mean, I was not making any money. My, my wife and I, uh, we raised salary uh, like missionaries, uh, as, as uh, we still do. And at that time, we were young, we were just starting out, and the, the support wasn't coming in uh, quite as fast as we needed it to. We were changing cities, and that was kind of part of what was going on. We are building a new support team, and, you know, we, it was really pretty rough. And we were praying every day, Lord, you know, uh, we need this money to happen, and that's what we need. You know, it's the end of the year, and it's Christmas time, and, you know, are we going to be able to buy each other Christmas gifts and those kinds of things? And it's 
really just a really tough time to have no money at all. And, um, you know, the, the Lord gave us a, a, a comfort about that. And he gave us a peace about it. And uh, we felt, okay, well, that's what it's going to be. And then, you know, uh, we go to, you know, look at the mail and see if there's a big fat check in there. There's no check. But here's what had happened. The, the, the secretary at the ministry where we were working could see exactly how little money was coming in for us. And she went and bought all the stuff for a giant Christmas dinner and brought all of it to our house. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys can dig it. I didn't pray for that. No. Right. That's not what I prayed for. I prayed for cash, cold hard cash. Right. Would you have taken said cash and bought a Christmas dinner? Yes. Yes, technically. <laughs> technically, but I want cash, you know. I don't want people just loving me and doing awesome things for me. I wanted cash. You know, God's idea was something bigger and better, and God wanted to give a gift to that secretary to us. He he wanted her to have that opportunity. It was an amazing thing. I'm sure she felt great about it, you know, being able to do that for us. Of course, we were just moved to tears about how awesome that was. But it wasn't the answer to prayer I was looking for, and it wasn't what I had my wishes set on. Uh, I could tell you that I had a sense of hope about that, but I had a different picture in my mind than what was in God's mind. And I think that's where we have to to adjust what we're saying here about hope and, and what the future holds and all of that. Yeah. That that God will provide, but that doesn't mean it's going to be cash. Sometimes that means it's going to be a turkey. That was very well done. Yeah, yeah. that was that was like literary. Put a little button on. Sure, that was really next level. And Jared, love you, you to pick us up there because I think as exactly as Glenn pointed out, there's a there's a what we have a vision for here as part of this. Yeah. I think uh, as we as we mentioned, God's definition of good also folds into His definition of time. Yeah, timing is another big factor on things like this, right? Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that that most Christians struggle with mightily is proportion. You know, you know, things are good. You know, this much is good. This much plus ten is bad. You know, Christians struggle with that. The other thing that all Christians struggle with, and I definitely do, is keeping a sense of timing um, in yeah. mind. And here's why that matters. You know, so people are telling you it's all going to work out. It's all it's all going to be great. You know, God yeah. is good stuff. Yeah. Which again, that that all sounds scriptural and true, but the question that we need to look at and ask is. Are we looking at the short term or the long term? Right. Because those are very different. Here, yeah. Here's what I mean. I've yeah. lost jobs before. I've, I've worked in the tech sector. I've had companies that I work for. It turns out not all companies in the tech sector make billions of dollars. Oh. Many of them. Did, did, did you make the Zoom, Jed? Uh, no, although guy? <laughs> I, I was actually, we, we were working with the people who made the Zoom when they were making the Zoom. Well. So. And you wow. didn't stop them, so yeah, yeah, you're so I, partially to blame. I, I brought that on myself. Um, you were so, going to ride that Zoom <laughs> rocket all the way to the top. You know it. <laughs> Boomer Zooners. Okay, so. Um, sports joke by Jed. Let's not joke, let that that's go a rare by. one. Right Excellently done. Thank you. Here's the thing. I've lost jobs. I've, had, I've literally had paychecks bounce. Um, as a part of companies going under, right. um, you know, I've had bills that I couldn't pay. And um, I, I will now give you a, a holy and scriptural and Christian word on what that experience is like. It sucks. Yep. There's oh. no way around that. It's, it's crappy. There's another word I was about to use, and then I remember I have to, you know. Family show. Family show. Um, 
It sucks, dude. It's super crappy. And there's nothing in the Bible that makes it not be crappy in the short term. Um, It's also not the last word in my life. Like, this isn't the end of the road. This isn't the end of the story. God is at work. He does have other things. And so in the long run, um, things are are going to turn around and, and whatnot. But in the short run, I lost a job and that sucks. Yeah. I, I had a paycheck and it literally bounced. Right. That's bad. Right. Full stop. Right. I think one of the things that Christians really, really struggle with is that it, in the Bible, it says to rejoice with those who rejoice, but it also says to mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. And we really struggle with that. Yeah. That there's a moment to not try and paint a smiley face on things. There's a moment yeah. to say, this sucks full stop. You know, we were using, you know, God forbid, but we we're using the example in the last question of, you know, your, your mom's in a car accident and she passes away. Dude, that's awful. Yeah. Full stop. There's, yeah. there's no silver lining to that. There's no, it's just bad. Yeah. It's a tragic thing. Yeah, in the, just mourn it. It's just you, that's the only thing there is to it. Yeah. You know, if you've worked a good job and you've and you, and the company turns around and decides you're redundant and terminates you, that is bad. Full stop. Yeah, it doesn't matter if a better job is coming. It doesn't matter if there are good things someday down the road. For today, this is full stop bad, and we need to mourn this, and we need other people to not interfere with the process of mourning by trying to stop us from mourning, because that's <laughs> right, what a right, right. lot of this positive pep talk is about. Yes. Is I'm uncomfortable with you mourning. So if you could not do that, that would be great for me. I'll tell you one more thing. We deal with a lot of people in our work at the bridge who are in transition. They're going from one kind of life to a completely different kind of life that doesn't in any way look the same. And Hallie and I talk about this all the time. We can look at a person's trajectory and know the following. If you, one day at a time, keep taking the next step God has before you, you won't believe how good your life's going to be five years from now. I mean, you know, uh, it's, I'm talking, you have a nice house in the suburbs, you, your kids go to a nice school, it's, you know, you, you, no one would believe where you were five years prior, that, that kind of thing. But much of the five years in between is going to be super unpleasant. Super, super unpleasant. And here's the problem is, if we lose sight of either one of those, we're going to shipwreck this whole thing. If we believe there's nothing good coming, we're probably not going to keep pressing hard and, and taking the, uh, the next right step and, and you know, getting that courage and getting that strength. At the same time, if we deny that today's realities are hard, that's also going to cause us problems. Yeah. Because again, we're not going to get the strength that we need. We're not going to get the comfort that we need. We're not going to get the emotional support that we need. Here's what I found to be true in my life and in Scripture. God leads us to the promised land through the desert. Yeah. Let me say that again. God leads us to the promised land, but through the desert. Anyone who's telling you you can skip the desert is lying to right. you. Anyone yeah. who tells you there is no promised land is also lying to right, you. Right. God leads us to the promised land, but he does it through the desert. We have to keep both of those in mind and that one of those is short term and one of those is long term and get the strength that we need for every single day in between. That is really... Great point. Also, that promised land and desert thing was stolen before Jed even finished saying it. That's how you know it's a good line. That may come up on Tuesday. Who can possibly know? Well, and who can tell who Jed might have stolen it from? <laughs> the Bible. Right. That's right, Jed. Yeah, specifically the, the authorized King James Bible. Oh. Wow. That's the original one, I know, because all English things are equally old to old Greek things. 
And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there. Not with the authorized version. We don't have time for that. But uh, on the on the question, because I think there's a, there's a great thing in here, which we kind of where we started of, this is a true thing. It can be a very encouraging thing that you had a bad thing happen to you. Here's a good, it's, here's good, here's scripture. Here's, I'm going to pray for you. But it can be a little tricky to deliver that without it just being an empty platitude. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily mean as a pastor, but because uh, I think Glenn covered the, the ministry aspect that well, but just as a member of a community, how do we express sympathy and maybe give that little bit of encouragement without becoming a human greeting card? Yeah, I, I love I love the way you're saying that without becoming a human greeting card because that's the trap that we fall in if we if we are too reductive with this thing of it's gonna be fine. Um and I think it, it was really, really cool that Jed brought up the thing that he did right there at the end that a lot of where this platitude comes from is is other people just being uncomfortable with other people's suffering. Um I, I don't want you to hurt, I can't handle that uh emotionally, so please don't do that in, in my general space. Um and so I think the way that we counter that is that we we look at people and we listen to people and we and we make allowance for them being where they are, um, and we don't try to fix it. Um, you know, we don't try to fix it immediately. So it's like, dude, I am so sorry that you're going through that. Tell me how that feels. Um, talk to me about where you are in that. Uh, talk to me about your hope in that. Um, tell me. Tell me what. Tell me some some things that you're hoping for, some things that you're praying for. How can I pray with you on this? You know what? I don't think that that you're going to be here forever. I don't know if things are going to look exactly the way that that you know that that you want them to, and I don't know that that, that that's going to happen immediately. But I know that everything like this, we've always come out of the other side. Um, you've come out of some some tough scrapes before, and you're on the other side of it. Um, but but you know that that may not be right now so just tell me how you feel and and how i can pray for you in that and what can i do for you right now while you're waiting that's one of the things on this kind of stuff is that we know that this person is not going to end up in the same place we know we know that you're going to move through it eventually things are going to change nothing is going to stay static this is not your new normal for the rest of your life but you do have some real feelings in the middle of this, and if we can figure out how to meet some of the needs that you're experiencing right now, then we can help you uh, have a little more hope for the future. Um, because one of the tough things that a person is expressing in this is, I can't stand what this is today. And we may not be able to change that entire situation, but there may be something we can do to alleviate some of that pressure. And so um, brownies might help. And I know that brownies doesn't mean a person gets a job, but brownies in a conversation does change the way today feels. That is an actual fact. Uh, those calories do help. And so there are things that we can do to kind of um, take some of the burden that the person is going through and, and help with the heavy lifting. Tell me how that feels. Tell me what your hope is. Tell me how I can pray alongside you. And, um, and what's the next step? Is there anything I can do to help you with the next step? We can know that this is going to change without just saying it in a way that basically communicates exactly as Jed has said, I'm uncomfortable with other people's suffering. Please don't suffer around me. Um, and the way that we do that is by 
entering in, being open to the way to discussing how they feel, and then finding out, is there any of this suffering that I can help you alleviate today while we're waiting? That will actually change the way the present thing feels, even before the scope of the whole deal changes. That's all really good stuff. I'm also now picturing a church lobby with just a big sign that says, please no suffering. Yes. And the many, many mixed messages that would send. I think I think Lee really put his finger on it there. It's when we talk about a lot, and it's actually something that comes up in our ministry a lot of an idea that Glenn calls changing the channel. You can't really do that. When someone says, uh, someone comes to you bummed out because they lost their job, there's this weird instinct some people have to meet as bummed out as they are, be that happy, mm-hmm. and be that positive, and try to get us all back to zero. And that's really in rude and kind of creepy, and you got to you got to th- think of matching the wavelength here, as Lee is talking about, and then all the same stuff you say does not make everything worse, which is always a worthy goal. We're going to yes. jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, depression and anxiety lead me to not doing stuff that I should be doing, homework, studying, etc. Is there anything that can help me deal with this? Pardon me and Jed, let me get you to start us off here, because I think it's a really cool question. We talked about kind of the anxiety and depression stuff before, but specifically... This idea of what we talk about a lot here of being in kind of a maintenance phase. Yeah. And obviously there are there are things you need to do if if you're if there's a medical condition, you need to get treatment, you may need to be on medication, you may need to do you know, the things that people talk about, which are all very helpful, about, you know, get some exercise and be out in the sun. Maybe if you live in a frozen hellscape where it's still thirty degrees in mid April. Um, just hypothetically. Yeah, just hypothetically. Like sure. this awful, awful place they built right on top of the lake, which right. was a great time place to put something. Right. Um but there's some things where you say either I'm doing what I need to do or this is just going to be one of those periods where I got to write it out, but I still got to function. Yeah. So what are some kind of practical tips on the, on the, assume we're, we're doing what we need to do to fight this, yep. which our, our listeners almost always are. Yep. But for right now, I still have to do a thing. So how do I muster what I got to put point towards that? That's a great question. Well, I think one thing uh, I would offer two things. The first is I think you do well to to agree with yourself that there are things, even if it's just for this season, there are things that are going to take more effort for me to pull off than they do for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, mm-hmm. that's you know, it's not something for me to feel bad about. That, that just, that is how it is. Think about it this way. If you go to the gym and you observe, you're going to see all different kinds of body types there. Yeah. Just the way people are naturally put together. That means some people can run really fast without trying too hard. Some people can do bench press without trying too hard. It goes on and on and on. It just has to do with the way people are put together. I'm in a season where there are certain things that are a little bit harder for me than maybe they will be in other seasons, and there are certain things that are harder for me to do than maybe they are for other people, and I need to give myself some grace on that. I need to be yep. understanding about that. Thing number two, then, is to say, on that basis, do I have a plan? In other words, making a list of the things I need to accomplish isn't the same as having a plan. Yeah. That's, that's not it at all. It's good to have a list of the things you need to accomplish, because that's kind of almost a basic form of accounting. Presumably at NASA in the 60s, on somewhere on a whiteboard, there was just written, go to moon. Exactly right. But go that's to not moon. a plan. Exactly right. It's a goal, and that's good, but it's not a plan. A plan has to take a goal and break it down into bite-sized pieces. Yeah. So, for example, you mentioned schoolwork in your question. You have a paper that you have to turn in. You know what? I'm going I'm to use a problem set because I did a lot of those, and I can refer to that more readily. Ah, <laughs> nerd. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm, gonna, I'm about to nerd it up. If you have a problem set to do, then there are constituent pieces that 
um, are involved in finishing the problem set. That's scheduling group study session with other people from class, getting notes off of the Blackboard website, um, getting, you know, depending on what you're doing, setting up the software that you're going to use for this problem set. You need 10 separate steps. Here's the thing. If you've broken it down into bite-sized pieces, it's so much easier to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so, so much easier to do that. And here's the key way that it's easier to do that is it requires a lot less willpower. And this we need to talk about because this is super important. A good plan, and this is true of anything in life, a good plan is one that minimizes how much willpower you have to expend to fulfill it. Willpower is the worst and most unstable fuel that human beings have at their disposal. And it's the one that we're all trying to use as much as possible all day, every day, and it's a terrible idea. A good plan minimizes how much willpower you need to in order to fulfill the plan. You may have to use a little bit, but we want to keep it to an absolute minimum. So we want to break things down. We want to have a plan. Again, a plan is different than a goal. We want to have a plan, and we want to have a plan that breaks things down into bite-sized pieces that don't freak us out. We can, we can wrap our brain around them. We can wrap our, our heads around them, and where it involves very, very little willpower for us to do the one next little bite-sized piece on that plan. If we do that, I think we'll find that we're able to accomplish most of those goals, if not easily, far more easily than we used to be able to. So it's all about structuring things where we're not freaked out, where we're giving ourselves grace, and where we're not relying on our own willpower as fuel. That's a really fantastic place to start off. And Glenn, I'd love you to pick us up here. We're talking about this idea of, um, uh, we're talking about this idea of we're pushing through, we're doing the things we need to do. But for right now, we're still going to be, uh, to use uh, maybe to Jed's physical analogy, yes, I'm, I'm doing the physical therapy to rehab my shattered knee, but I also need to like get around and stuff. Yep. So I can't just do the therapy 24 hours a day. I yep. got, there's time when I'm working on the long-term problem, but now there's maintenance time here. Right, right. But I think that that long-term work and there's a, some mindset stuff that is part of that to mm. stop, as, as Jed is saying, there's some stuff that's going to take more time for now. But we do need to pair that with a vision for uh, pushing through this right. and something be on the other side. So, and I think I'm right asking the right person about this. Glenn, what does the optimist bring to this situation? <laughs> yeah. And what, what is that positive? And I don't mean positive mindset of platitude, but that idea of yeah, yeah. there is a world outside of what's going on right now. Right. And even if I can't exactly access it, while I'm going through this problem, keeping right. it in mind is helpful in some ways. Well, for sure. I think part of what you're talking about there is depression has a way of just kind of encircling us, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you feel like you're it's all in, gray now. Yeah. It's, you're just inside of depression. And it, like, it, and what we're talking about is something that's beyond it. When the, for the person who's in it, there, there is nothing beyond this. This is my whole world here. You know, that kind of thing. And so it, it, it doesn't sound right to say, oh, well, just keep on hanging in there. It'll, you know, one day the sun will come out, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so it has to be about more than that. And, and so that's why we're trying to uh, dig into these details and, and flesh it out more than just platitudes, like, we're, uh, like as Lee was saying, uh, you know, a human greeting card. Um, so I think, first of all, it's about understanding avoidance as an idea, uh, because there's there's a lot of that to what you're dealing with, but you know, I think a lot of us get into 
avoidance in our everyday lives without really realizing it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I think a lot of us tend to try to put ourselves in a position where we are not intimidated. So if you think about how just the concept of anything that intimidates you limits your life. If you're not comfortable with feeling like you're not the coolest person in the room or you're not the prettiest person or the smartest person or the most Christian person that knows the most Bible in the room, if you're not comfortable with that, you just won't put yourself in that room. Now your world is smaller. Uh, if, if there's something that you're afraid of, likewise, you're going to avoid that situation. <laughs> now your world is smaller still. Uh, what the what the enemy wants to do is make your world as small as it can possibly be. Mm. Jet and I were talking about this the other day. You, it, it, it seems like Wait, a, you guys talk when we're not on the show. Yeah, that's oh. <laughs> well, occasionally you know <laughs> you pass each other and then you, you know. But yeah, this is the this is the thing is uh, the devil works hard at that. You, 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 I think we have the sense that the devil wants to get us out in the world. Where there's a fast-paced action, and you're going out there and you're doing wild and interesting and amazing stuff that you should not be doing. That's not what the Lord, what the devil wants in your life at all. He wants the opposite of what the Lord wants. The Lord wants an abundant life for you. He wants adventure. He wants excitement. He wants your world to be big and you to go places and get to know people and to serve them and love them and lift them up and learn from them if they're better than you at stuff. Uh, that you're not avoiding any of these things because you're not living your life according to fear. Uh, one of the things that that uh, we work with uh, with our men and women, uh, uh, they've been caught up in addiction, and there's a lot of avoidance reaction to to addiction. I, I don't want to face this situation, so I get high, etc. Uh, so that becomes a coping mechanism, but it's a coping mechanism that allows them to check out of life and not engage with it. So for our men and women, no kidding, a big part of the work that we do with them is helping them figure out what is fun. They literally never have done anything just to for fun. You know, they'll, they'll often say, well, you know, whenever I wanted to have fun, I would get high. And I'd say, were you having fun? Uh, no. Okay, so you've never had fun. It said you don't know how to have clean fun. You don't know anything about fun. You're at zero. Your world is that small. They. The men and women that we work with uh, won't go to like a fancy store because they feel like everyone will be looking down on them. So that insecurity shrinks their world further and further. So these are people whose world is as small as you can imagine. I mean, they don't leave a couple of blocks that they're from kind of a deal. And there's so much more of life out there. So what we want you to do is to have this, this realization that there's an attempt to shrink your world and that that's cheating you, that that's hurting you, that God wants something yeah. big and abundant for you. And that the stuff that would deal with that and bust you out of that depression is out in the world. In the bedroom with the lights off, there's no way for joy to get in there. You know what I mean? But discovering something new and cool, you're going to this new restaurant you've never gone before, and there's new flavors happening and exciting. And then you think, you know what? That's I'm, I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm discovering, I'm out of my funk, I'm getting up, and I'm getting out into the world. That's what the Lord wants for you, is that abundant life. And it's about saying, I refuse to let my world be small. That's really, really good stuff. I think that that's fantastic. One of the things about that is, is this timing factor. Again, we were talking about the previous thing, because 
Um, one of the, the big things, uh, depression and anxiety give you is a lot of what's the point? Yeah, you know, it's, it's homework you're studying. Well, what's the point? And you got to have to keep a little bit of, you know, whatever it is you're studying to do. You know, I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a, a librarian. And libraries are awesome. And the kids are going to come in. I'm going to show them the books. And that's going to be super awesome when that happens. So I got to, you know, I got to w- kind of slog my way through this paper I'm writing right now. Jed talked about problem sets earlier, and I consider any any form of math more advanced than algebra to be some form of voodoo. But maybe immoral, so I'm not. I'm going to talk it, about I that. I think it's close to witchcraft. Yeah, it is to me. That's for dang sure. And Leo, let me just close out here. Jed started to solve this idea of goals, yeah, manageable goals and a plan. I think that's important enough to go back to because there there does need to be a strategy for the strategy in a sense of I'm going to set my goals. And then I'm going to hit them. So what do I do then to keep some momentum in this process going? Yeah, that is a really, really sharp way to ask that. Because if one of the keys for me on this question is um, a thing that a lot of people are not willing to do because they don't really believe that it counts. And that is to set small enough goals that you can always hit them. Um, so goal number one is I'm going to. I'm going to get up with my alarm and then I'm going to brush my teeth and take a shower and then I'm going to tie my shoes. And if I have to, I'm going to mark all those things off and, and say, I did this. I did the next thing. I did the next thing. And, and here's the really key thing is that when we have uh, small enough measurable goals that we learn ways to celebrate those, we learn ways to say, um, to feel like I did what I set out to do, um, I accomplished these things, and I should feel good about that. I should feel so good about it that, like, that I feel like I really, really accomplished something. This is this is the piece that I think a lot of people miss is that they don't feel like I'm allowed to celebrate until I accomplish some humongous thing. I can't celebrate until I get my degree. Well, um, why? Why can't we celebrate? Tying the shoes and making it to the gym, um, or having the lunch with the person that um, that we we know we had to do that, but it, it felt like an intimidating conversation. Why can't these things be things that we celebrate? I think that whatever a whatever measurable, accomplishable goal we set, according to kind of the stuff that where Jeb was leading off, we need to also find corresponding ways to celebrate those things when they happen. Because it's when we start learning how to celebrate it and when we start learning how to recognize it, then we'll start to realize the progress we're making. If the only things that we celebrate are gigantic, huge goals that were actually uh, made up of tons and tons of other tiny little accomplishments, then we don't actually ever feel like we get anywhere until we get to the very end of something. And so can we start to learn how to celebrate really small goals? And I think part of that is to bring somebody alongside you, bring somebody else into that process, bring a friend that you trust, uh, somebody, maybe somebody at the church, somebody that you have a good, have a good walk with, a good relationship with, bring them into the situation and tell them, I need somebody to see where I am, to see what I'm looking for, to see what I'm aiming at, and to help me celebrate the strides that I'm making towards uh, the new me or, uh, or the strides that I'm making towards uh, what I would consider to be a good week or a good day or a good third of a day. Um, 
there's a lot of research that says it's a good idea to break your day into thirds or break your day into fifths and to look at those sections and to, and to accomplish one piece of that day at a time. And if you've got somebody alongside you, a friend or somebody who's basically kind of like a cheering section who can cheer you along and say, you did that, you did that well, and that's a win. The cool thing is, is that you can start to rack up some wins. And even if you need to tap out of something later in the day, you did accomplish some things that you wanted to. And those are some wins. I may not have done 100% of all of the things that I hope to accomplish today, but man, I really, really did check off a lot of those. And especially if you have somebody else in your life that can come alongside you and can say, yes, you did. Here's a way that you, that, that, that you accomplished this goal and that goal and the other thing. Let's count that as a win and say it's okay to go ahead and, and, and kind of tap out of this other deal. Um, that's when you can really start to see some, some measured progress. But I think, I think learning how to celebrate and learning how to bring some people along in, to help you along that process is really going to change the way some of these things feel, which is, a, which is an important part of the process. Yeah, it definitely is. That's that's very very smart stuff. I would I would dovetail that into kind of a little bit of what Glenn was talking and Jed were talking about about the guys who work with at the bridge. I know this is very similar in a work that Lee does with uh, folks in, in jail and folks are coming out of that. Is there there's a thing where we end up celebrating a lot and really stuff that is pretty mundane, as Jed was putting it. But the thing is, if you're an addict, it's pretty big. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. in AA, you literally get the one-day chip. They yeah, talk yeah. about one day at a time. Here's the thing. If you're not an alcoholic, going a day without taking a drink is not really worth the... Uh, that's right. It's not really worth noting. That's but right. if you're an alcoholic... Yeah, that, the first day is the hardest day. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that's kind of the judo of this, if you can get your mind around it, is if you are starting at this disadvantage, as Lee is saying here, kind of everything warrants celebration. That's right. If you've yeah. ever been in the Deep Depression, there's the... I put on non-sweatpants pants, right. and that That's warrants right. a certain amount of celebration. Absolutely right. That is that is achieving a goal and conquering an obstacle. No question. So that's definitely something to be greedy for and kind of look for. Uh, and you can flip that to, uh, we were talking about on the previous question as well, there's a lot more opportunity to be thankful. As, as uh, Lee was saying, there's that there's another idea of, well, I got to wait till the very end to be feel any positive emotion, to be happy, to I got to wait till I get the new job. Be thankful I got away to get the degree to look back on all the hard things that happened during this college time. If you if you're at the point where I I I showered on consecutive days, yeah, I I I that is a supernatural occurrence, right? So I need to acknowledge the supernatural reality. That's right. I took that to be then that's a good thing. You bet. If you have a question for us, say that podcast gmail.com, the bridge Chicago dot tumblr dot. Calm. You know what? Speaking of thankfulness, we're going to take out with a little Lee Younger this week. This is from Ooh, a couple hey. of bridge boxes ago. This is a song called Thank Harder. So we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast roundly rejecting the inherent wrongness of the papyrus font. This disclaimer printed on Times New Roman. Like the Bible. <laughs> well, I lost a job and I lost a tooth. I've been in cuffs from the sins of my youth. Well, I bounced a check like a basketball In a case that ain't clear, that means repeatedly, y'all But I'm giving thanks for what I've got I'm giving thanks for what I'm not Yeah, all them dumb ideas I tried to fix 
That left my granny displeased But at my worst With no hope to see I saw that Jesus Was still with me And I'm giving thanks For what I've got I'm giving thanks For what I'm not Yeah, all them Dumb ideas I tried to be that stove. 